Hi, and welcome back to to my teenage self, Love Anna. Ikari. A podcast where we talk about anything from love, heartache, heartbreak, the first-gen experience, and everything in between. And today's podcast is going to be about... Moms. Yeah. And specifically, Latina moms uh, from yeah. from their daughter's perspective. Yes. And I think we wanted to continue talking about moms in this podcast because a lot of the relationships that we have with other people, we notice that we're based on the relationships that we had with our own moms or the relationships that we saw our moms have with other people. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. So would you want to start off with the first memories of our moms? Yeah, let's do that. Let's start. Okay. Um, well, for me, uh, I think I had a very unique experience with when it comes to uh, matriarchy or moms, right? Um, because my great-grandfather died when my grandma was 11. And so my great-grandma raised five kids by herself. And it kind of... they My family thinks that they're cursed because no woman ends up with a man. Wait, wait, wait. Go back. <laughs> I, know, I know this is about moms, but specifically, my grandma said that when my great-grandfather, her dad, right. was alive there would be a crow that would land on their house every day at 12 every day same hour a crow and the way that he died was really weird and suspicious because he was drunk uh-huh. he had randomly become a drunk like within six months was like full-blown drunk right. and he was leaning against the house drunk the house caught on fire and he went running and fell into a well that uh-huh. that hadn't been bricked around and swam for hours screaming and drowned. And no one heard him? The house was on fire. Wait, wait. Yeah, I know. Suspicious. Suspicious. So he so he died, and my grandma thinks said there was a curse put on, uh-huh. on the women because my grandfather was a musician, and he would travel from town to town, and they think that there was a woman that he was having a relationship with or like an affair, and he wouldn't leave her. Because he had five kids with my yeah. great grandma, and she put like a curse, yeah, on him. La gente es malvada. They are, they are, and so that curse. I don't know if it was like self fulfillment, right? But none of my grandmother's sisters ended up happy or with a man, and my mom um, didn't end up with my real dad. So. Um, my mom, for the first, like, two years of my life, was a single mom. And she, like, worked really hard. And I was kind of, like, everybody's baby. Like, yeah. you know, because I came, I came from a big immigrant family. And another way to survive here in the United States was to be, like, to be really joined together. Right. You know? Um, and so for the first two years of my life, I was an only child. And I was being raised by her and my grandma. Um, so I feel like in my life I've had, like, two, two moms. Two moms. My grandma and my mom, because my mom worked because she was a single mom, right. so my grandma took care of me. And I, my stepdad came into my life two years, when I was two years old. Okay. Yeah, so I've had my stepdad for as long as I can, I have memories, yeah. you know? Um, so to me, that is my father, like, always will be my dad. Uh, when I mention my dad, it's him, you know? Yeah, yeah. that's um, So what's interesting with my mom is, like, I feel like with her, my earliest memories were, like, just pure love. Like, 
it was so easy being with her. Yeah. Um, specifically, I think because we she didn't have a dad and she didn't have a grandfather, she was always raised in this matriarchy of women, yeah. only women. I and mean, I think when you talk about your mom, she is a she seems like a very loving person. Mm-hmm. Y'all seem very connected. Yes, we are. And the thing about her is that. Because she didn't grow up with a dad and she didn't grow up with a grandfather though and and because we had a very unique family because I feel like most families are patriarchal yeah. in the Latino oh, uh, yeah, sphere, absolutely. so she grew up like I don't need a man, <laughs> and she treated my dad like that, and she treats everybody like that, and she kind of has that attitude where she's like very I'm independent, I don't need a man, like I have him because I want him, you know, like yeah. that kind of thing um and I think that's kind of been my earliest memory of her is like her just kind of being like, like she worked a lot. Like I just remember that mm. like very specifically is that she worked a lot. Yeah. What about you? Um, that's interesting that you say that about your mom. I think with my mom, I had a very like, not as close of a relationship with her. It was almost like we needed to be this perfect family. Um, because I remember the, the earliest memory that I have with her is her always being a mom because she was told that she needed to be this figure or this role. And she, so a little bit of the, the backstory, right? They they immigrated here. Um, well, for, oh, sorry. It's <laughs> um, okay. They got, they got married um, when she was 17. Wow. So she had just turned 18. Um, They got married. She had her kid nine months later, my older brother. And since then, she has been a mom. Wow. Like, that is the only role that she knows, right? Yeah. Mi mama is like una santa, you know? There's some moms that I feel like were just born to be a mom. Mm -hmm. And she's one of them. Um, And she started to, like, gather all of these ideas of what it was to be a mom based on her mom and my dad's mom, which was very, like, you need to serve your man, you need to serve your family, you need to be there at expense of yourself, Mm. right? And so growing up, I remember her just always being a mom. Like, she would always do everything for us, and I would love that, but I never was able to see her as anything else but a mom right like she never talked about her hobbies she never talked about anything that she loved to do she never hung out with friends it was always like what else can I do for my children what else can I do for my husband and then if there's extra time in the day what can I do for myself yeah you know so I think that uh, that created this like barrier where we weren't allowed to grow emotionally as um like mom like as women or as mom and daughter because she always had to like be doing things and having these extra roles and she couldn't just sit down and like have these deeper conversations with us as as her kids she was always doing things and it was in your family household it was your mom was the only woman and your dad so it was um so it's my mom my dad and then my two siblings so it's just me and my mom as the only woman. Mm-hmm. So when I started growing up, it was a lot of like, okay, start learning that you have these ideas of you need to take care of everybody else in your family. So when she would be at work and it was like 
summertime, I would be the one that's helping clean the house mm-hmm. or helping take care of my little sibling or helping do laundry or helping, like, I would cook for my dad in the mornings. Like, it was like, what, now you're taking on some of these roles because the expectation is that at some point you're going to be a mom. Yeah. And you're going to have to do these things for other people. And I think that has shaped, in a lot of aspects, everything else around my life about like giving to other people and then if I have time yeah give to myself yeah and it's and it's interesting because you are always going to kind of follow the footsteps of your mom yeah that's that's kind of how we've grown up to to be like as Latina daughters you know Mm -hmm. um that was another thing that I was just thinking right now as you were talking about your brother because I, I was thinking about the fact that you have an older brother and um I was re- <laughs> and and I remember you telling me how your mom and your older brother were alone for a long time and that's why they have this like oh my god yeah connection yeah because so when they my my parents didn't migrate here um together right so primero vino mi papa and he stayed here for I think it was three or four years And then he gathered enough money to bring my mom and my older brother from Mexico to here. And during that time, my mom was a single mom. And -hmm. she was like 19, 20, 21, taking care of this kid alongside my grandma. So he, I think, has the same relationship that you have where he was raised by two women. Mm -hmm. And that he is he is very loved my mom because they had to um like live together for seven years he didn't have his dad for his first seven years so he did everything by with my mom Mm -hmm. um and then they crossed el rio together so when they tell that story um it was my mom and my grandpa and then my older brother who was seven at that time on his shoulders holding on to my mom as they crossed together so i can't imagine like that one like the amount of trauma that they both had to experience and deal with together because it wasn't just crossing the river it was like metiéndose en un avión with fake id well you know like with fake ids and getting into this plane and going and hoping that they don't get caught and like this emotional bond that really got them together and i still think that at the end they still have this bond that i don't have with my mom Mm -hmm. because i grew up with both parents and she had to split her time up between all of us yeah and then by the time what you were like five no four you had your your little brother was born yeah we're how, how, five years apart mm-hmm. but then i started becoming like his mom and i still feel like i am his mom i took up a lot of like parental duties before i should have because your mom was already putting on you yeah the whole like you have to take care of them yeah and i think for you your brother you have like a 10 10 year gap yeah and it's yeah it's literally that where you start taking the the role of a parent so i think uh a lot of like my childhood experiences weren't robbed in a way they were just not the same as every other kid Mm mm-hmm and not the same as your siblings and you're living in the same household yeah because nobody tells you that i think when everybody's like oh you have siblings all of you get treated the same no the fuck we don't 
No. And it's not favoritism. It's just the fact that, like, your parents have different relationships with each child. Yeah. And so, like, you can see, like, I'm sure your older brother has a different relationship with your dad than your little brother does. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because I think for us, in, in sibling-wise, this is how I like to compare it. My older brother is was the trial run. That's how I like to call him. He was, you know, they, they were teen parents growing up trying to raise a kid. They messed up a lot. They have a lot of grace for him mm-hmm. because... They didn't know what they were doing with him. I was the middle child and the only girl. So I had a whole bunch of expectations. I had to be the one that like did good in school. I had to be the one that siempre se portaba bien and never like if I did something wrong, it was the biggest fucking deal. And then my little brother, they were like, okay, we already raised two. La del medio no salió bien. (laughs) You know? Yeah. So then the little one just gets to like, chill Mm -hmm. the expectations are lower yeah he gets to enjoy the first two or like okay maybe with the second one we still fucked up a little bit for the third one we have it down and we have you know we have two other people to help us raise them in the family yeah and what's crazy is like your mom was a mom of three by 30 yeah like, that's insane. Because I'm going to be 30 very soon, in like two years. And I don't want to have kids. <laughs> I can't imagine already having three that depend on you and are like, you know, mom, mom. And you're yeah. like. Yeah. And like, that's why I don't think, at least for me, when I see, when I think back to these memories, it's never in a place of resentment because now growing up, I understand what she was dealing with. Like, I am 24 now. Mm -hmm. That means she had my brother, who was, like, six, seven. Oh, my God, by 24. And then by 25, at 25, she had me. So it's like, in in this year, she would get pregnant and have her second kid. And I have, I can't take care of a plant, you know? Like, (laughs) like, I, I understand that the way I grew up isn't because of how... Because she necessarily wanted it that way, but it's just how her circumstances and her experiences got her to that. Yeah, definitely. You know, because I mean, it's always like they they crossed over. Yeah, but not only that, like she took on this role that she will never be able to take off. Like being a mom is you never stop being a mom. Yeah, and I think that's what's so scary about me wanting to become a mom because there's this expectation that this is like this whole new role that you are becoming. Mm-hmm. This is it's like a forever thing that you, at least in my experience, is that's what I would become and that's it. Like my whole other identity of being a teacher, of being a master's student, of being eventually a doctorate wouldn't matter because now I am a mom. Yeah. And then you'd be like a mom teacher, like a teacher, like, you know, yeah. like everything, everything then is. Or like I have to sacrifice. Oh, I can't work full time because I'm a mom or I can't do this because I'm a mom. Yeah. And everything, all your whole identity becomes connected to being a mom and having a kid. And then I feel like people just see you in that light. Like they forget that you are a human that you can, uh-huh. that you have so many other things that you enjoy to do. Yeah. And there's so much, so much that society puts on you. Like, you can't do that anymore because you're a mom. Yeah. You know, you shouldn't be doing that. Oh, that's a bad mom because she does this. That's a bad mom because they, they do that. 
And there's so much bullshit because that's just another way to keep in, keep you in control. Yeah. It's just another, like, besides all the gender stereotypes that you have from being a woman or being an immigrant or whatever it is, now you're adding these additional expectations. Yeah. Of like, oh, this is what it's like to be a good mom. And if you're not doing this, if you're not at this standard, then you are shitty. Yes, exactly. What is... I think it, it's there's so much more in between than just that, you know? Yeah. And I, I think what's interesting about, about like, moms and, like, what roles that they play. Like, for me, what my mom was, she was 27 when she had me. So she was already older. Wow. Yeah. So she was 27. And I feel like, I mean, I'm 27 now. And if I had a kid, like, I could raise a kid. Yeah. I mean, I could. I know that I could. Because I'm mentally mature. Like, my mom passed the 25. Like, her brain was developed, you know, when she had me. Um, she wasn't a kid. She didn't feel... She, my mom was never a kid. Like, my mom never got to be a kid. My mom started working when she was 15. But even before... So she didn't go to high school yeah. in Mexico. She just started working. And even before that, like, she was helping raise her two little brothers because... Or her, her two siblings because... My grandma was worked six out of seven dates a yeah. week. And my grandma was a functioning alcoholic. So she was like, she never got to be a kid. Never. Yeah. Never. And so what's crazy is like when my mom was 15, there was this moment where her family kind of split apart. Because Ooh. they used to live in this one house with like, it was my grandma and her sister and then all of their kids. And between both of them, they had six kids. There were six kids that lived in this household with my abuelita Andrea, who yeah. was my grandma's mom. Uh -huh. So it was like, it was nine people in a yeah. one-bedroom home. And plus all the cousins and plus all these random people that would come in and go. There's a lack of personal space. Oh, yeah. No, there was no none. Privacy. I mean, they were dirt poor. When yeah. I, I've seen photos of where they grew up, and they grew up in this place called Nessa, uh -huh. um, and in Mexico City, on the outskirts of Mexico City, and it's... It was dirt. I mean, it's literally like shacks. Yeah. They grew up in a shack, basically. And um, so she always, like, got good grades. And she was, like, she was the, her grandma's favorite. And so, you know. <laughs> yes. But it being and being the favorite, she kind of had the same experience, I feel like, that your mom had. Where, like, it was, like, you have to work. You have to clean. You have to put food on the table. You have to go do all these things. Yeah. And, and she was, like, the preferida. But she wasn't. Like, she had to do all the chores. She had to do... She had to take care of her siblings. She had to do all this shit. And then on top of that, she had an alcoholic mom who was, like, there but not, not there. Helping. Yeah. And what's... there? My grandma had a lot of fault. There was a lot of things wrong with her. But one thing that was a really kind thing about her was that my grandma was very selfless. Like, yes, okay. she was an alcoholic and, yes, she was fucking crazy, but she was selfless. <laughs> no, I swear, because they have these stories of her where, I mean, they were dirt poor and they didn't have any food to eat. And they say that when they were little, like, on her only day off. On her one day off, she worked yeah. six days. On her only day off, she would take all six kids, uh -huh. sometimes nine, because her other sister had three oh kids. She would take, like, nine kids to Chapultepec, which is, like, this huge, like, the central park of Mexico right. City. And she would take them to the zoo. And she would buy them, like, That's chips. Beautiful. She would buy them, like, anything. Like, they would eat off of her plate, and she wouldn't say anything. She was just, like, she was just a good she person was trying to do the best that she could yeah she she was and one another thing about her was that she never hit my mom and she yeah. never yelled at her she like she never like nothing like that ever happened until she was 15 uh -huh. and it was like this traumatic story where 
one of my mom's, I mean, one of my grandma's sisters told her that they had seen her smoking weed. <laughs> that's like the death. Death sentence. In, that's it. Yeah, because that was like the 70s in Mexico or like late 70s or early 80s. I don't, I don't even know. And it was like, that was it. Like she, my, my grandma like left her, abandoned her. Yeah, because she, that. yeah, and my mom was not smoking weed. Yeah. At all. And even she, if she was. How do you. the 70s. So. Yeah. It, it literally, <laughs> no, it was like, so, it was early 80s. It was like 83, okay. 84. And she abandoned her and left her. And my mom went to go live with her tias. And my grandma took her two siblings, my mom's siblings away and moved somewhere else. But by then, my mom is 15. She had, her little sister is like eight years younger than her and then her little brother is three years younger than her and she'd been raising them since she was like nine eight so to her it was like taking her kids away yeah and so she's she had like this huge traumatic experience with her mom and i think that then defined her experience with her mom from then on okay of like she's gonna abandon me and she's an alcoholic and yeah. I don't have my dad and I don't have that trust was completely broken and it never came back because another thing about my mom is that she also has a really good memory so she remembers <laughs> everything <laughs> and she can't let it go and, she, and the worst part about her is that she holds resentment really easily so she held on to oh. all that resentment and and I'm telling you this whole story just to say she was like 27 when she had me so she was never a kid so when she had me she was already like full blown 35 year old in her brain. You know? Right, right. And I'm the first child. So I was her only child, and I was her only child for 10 years. So we had a relationship that, like, nobody else, you know, like, yeah. because she didn't ad- adhere to any of these. Like, yeah, her mom, her grandma made her clean and cook and feed everybody. But when she grew up, she was like, I don't want to do that to my kids, so I'm not. So she never made me live under that like umbrella or that like oppression of being like a latina daughter Mm. do you know what i mean yeah yeah absolutely and i think that's what i have to do for my future generations um because i think i i would have to be playing the role of your mom with my nieces and eventually my if i do have kids because it wasn't as clear cut. And I think with like my mom, so when they got married, my mom ended up moving with my dad. So she left home, moved with my dad, started living with my grandma, my grandpa, and like six of my dad's siblings. And my mom took on that role because it was the expectation. Like now you're married, now you have to help out, you know, your suegra. Mm-hmm. And my my dad's. My dad's mom, I just remember being so scared of her. I don't have a lot of memories of her because she passed away when I was 10. Okay. So I don't have, like, too many memories of her because she would only visit every once in a while. And every time she would visit, she hated the U.S. Okay, yeah. She just would visit because her kids were here. Yeah. And that was it. But she was such a strict, like... A strict, it had to be a certain way woman. And she ran, so my grandma, the thing about my grandma on my dad's side is that she ran her own business. Mm. And I was just finding out about this a couple years ago. I was remembering. She used to sell menudo on Sundays 
and it would be like a whole process that would start like Friday night, Saturday morning, where everybody would just like it was a family business where everybody would work together to like make the carne and do the things. And there would be people that would come by Saturday afternoon and like lay down or like uh, bring the pots and pans so that they had them ready for Sunday morning because they knew that by like 10 p.m. the menudo would run out like this was a big hit. And I was just finding out about this. Wow. I know. So she was this businesswoman. So she had to be like this, like strict with the money, strict with everything, because she had to feed her family. She had to like feed oh, nine, ten plus people that were living there at once. And so even when my mom did get married, she never got this ability to just like live with your husband and live with a honeymoon and have this like married life now. She moved in with my dad. And then she started taking care of other people. Wow. Yeah. And she lived next to my, or she lived with my swag, or her suegra, my grandma. And it was always like, Rosy, ven a hacer esto, ven a hacer esto, ayuda, ayuda. And I know that my, for my mom, because of the way that her mom grew, like, her mom raised her, it was never a, a challenge. It was never something like, oh my God, tengo que ayudarlas. But in the same way, I feel like if she was given the opportunity to choose she wouldn't have to like she wouldn't have done that she would have wanted her life to be very different yeah you know that definitely yeah because when she grew up with my grandma she so my mom is the second or third oldest um that passed away from cancer and she left a daughter my cousin when she was two so she was pregnant she got cancer passed away her daughter was two so papa hijo de la chingada yeah left got married like six months later or some shit like that would only pay child support Mm -hmm. yeah 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 on her 18th birthday she he like came it was like este es tu ultimo like child support check we're done it was like that with her wow yeah but so my mom she was my tia was the one older two years older than her and then it was my mom so my mom took on the role of taking care of her along with my grandma so as she was taking care of my older brother she was also taking care of somebody else's kid wow (laughs) that wasn't even her own kid wow and so she had two at the same time trying to raise them while she was living like so she would go visit them every day and like go raise like go and go to uh, my grandma's house and go back and she like was living this role of just always having to take care of people and now um i think i told you about this when i became a teacher she was like um you are my you are like my wildest dreams Mm, yeah you did say that when she said you are everything that i i dreamed i could have been and I think that always sticks to me because she, in some ways, started that process of, like, doing whatever you want to do, but still, like, oh, be a mom, mm-hmm. right? But I think she vicariously lives through me. Yeah. I, I think that's very common in the Latina immigrant mom experience yeah. through their daughters, yeah, because they always, like, I feel like we give them headaches, mm-hmm. you know, les damos un dolor de cabeza, but deep down, they're like, I'm proud of them, because yes. they are living our wildest dreams. Yes. 
And I feel like the same way for my mom because from a very young age, I, for her, the most important thing that I could do was go to college. Yeah. The most. The, oh, yeah. I don't even think right now she doesn't care. I mean, obviously <laughs> she cares, but I, I completed her like end goal in life. Yeah. So I'm good. Like whatever I choose to do now, it's like sick, you know, <laughs> um, whether I do anything with the degree or not, like what she yeah. needed was for me to finish college because she, that was her only dream was for me to go to college. Yeah. Because, I mean, can you imagine, like, you're 15 and you don't go to high school? Yeah, like, my mom didn't finish high school. She finished, like, freshman year, then dropped out, got married, like, two years later. Yeah, and and it's what's, like, to connect this to our jobs now, like, it's so hard to motivate our kids to want to go to school. And it's like, yeah, but your parents didn't go to school, you know? Yeah. Like, for a lot of their parents, they didn't... They didn't get to accomplish that because they had to grow up so way faster yeah and like my mom now like my mom wants to go to back to college and she wants to complete a degree and she wants to do all these things but she's older yeah like she's almost done raising kids like my brother's gonna be 18 this year but Mm -hmm. like she's probably gonna have to raise him still because you always do and like yeah, you, <laughs> you the kid doesn't stop aging at 18, you know? Yeah. Like they you kind of have to stay with them and it's so hard for them and I think they see in us what they could have had mm-hmm. and that's why they push us so hard to complete these dreams. I mean, I don't know I don't know what to think about that in the sense that like I feel like when I was younger, I would I would always be really upset that that was that I was living my mom's dream that like I I wasn't sure like why I went to college. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? Because it's always like, oh, you want to be this? Do you want to be that? Like, oh, it would be so great. Like, imagínate, doctora Gallegos. Imagínate, like... And then, but at the end of the day, I lo que tú quieras. Yeah. It's like, well, do you want me to do whatever I want? Or do you want me to be a doctor? Yeah. Which one is it? Yeah. You know? And so you start... Because to me, it's like, at least for me, it was, I don't want to disappoint them. Because they had always told us these stories... And I understood early on what it would mean for them if I had done, if I do whatever they wanted me to do. Yeah. You know? And I think uh, going back to what you said about your mom going back to college, it's funny because now that, like, we're all gone, you know? My brother lives on his own. I am doing my own thing. I'm never at home. Abraham ya tiene novia y se va también, you know? It's just both of them by themselves. And so I think now my mom is is in this, like, struggle and identity to find who she is apart from being a mom. Yeah. Because now it's like, I don't don't need anybody to take care of me. And so when everything happened with my dad, so um, backstory, my dad had a stroke early September? No. Yeah. Late September, he had a stroke, right? Hospital, scary, he's fine. Um, But I think my mom has now dived into that because it's her need to take care of people. Mm -hmm. Whereas I know, but how about your dad? Or like, no, but because now that we're not there, she's struggling to find this identity of like, okay, who needs taking care of so that I feel like I am 
useful and I am doing whatever I need to do and I still have people that are gonna love me because that's her way of showing love and feeling like people love her in return yeah you know yes and I've been noticing that recently but now I'm trying to help her like no mom but what if you want to do this or go take a class or go do whatever you want to do go find yourself now that you finished and completed your role of being the caregiver yeah but it's so hard to exit out of that yeah, thought absolutely. process. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because to her it's like, no, well, y'all y'all are always I'm always gonna be your mom. I'm always gonna you're always gonna need me. Yes. But what I am telling you is that I would have also wanted a mom who knew who she was, who had all these opportunities before you became the mom. Yeah. Yes. Because it would have been such a big difference. Yeah, because then I wouldn't have to feel like I had to take on this caregiver role for everybody because that's what you taught me. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think I think what's interesting for me is that I feel like... I feel like you had a more traditional dad growing Bitch. up. Yeah. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and you also grew up with both of your parents, like your yeah. real dad and your real mom. You and know? I think it's crazy for for when we talk about our parents, because I, at least for, for what I have heard about your experience, I've never had this feeling of like, feeling like people are going to leave me. Mm. Because I've had both of them. Was, was the relationship perfect? No. Were there times where I was like, why don't y'all just separate, bro? But they wouldn't because it was traditional and they're like in this for life. They're like in it until they're dead. Yeah. And so I think that shaped my relationships because I stick with people. Mm -hmm. I stick with people even though it hurts. I stick with people even though they treat me shitty. I stick with people because that's my way of, like, showing you that I still love you and I still care for you. Yeah. Even though you are not good for me. Yeah. And that's, like, your parents have role modeled that. Yeah. And I think, well, I think for you, when you talk about your experiences, the role modeling has been different because you didn't grow up with your biological dad. No. And I feel like... I don't know. I feel like I've always been very like vale madre yeah. because my mom was so hell bent on not raising me like she was raised. Yeah. She kind of gave me liberties a lot of the time. Like, I mean, she was very strict. She was very, very strict. <laughs> so like, that's not to say that like I didn't, I grew up like loosey goosey, get yeah. whatever. No, like she was a strict mom. I mean, she made you go to church school for eight years, man. Yeah, I went. No, girl, no. I went to Catholic school for thirteen years. Wait, from kindergarten through twelfth grade. Oh, yeah. I went to I went to Catholic school for for See? a long time. Uh, she was trying to use that religion. She, she, when she was pregnant with me, she worked at Burger King in like some area that was like very hood. Yeah, and 
one of the girls was like, yeah, like they smoke weed at school, in high school, because she was a high school student. <laughs> and she was like, my daughter's not going to public school because <laughs> she's not doing drugs. Because we have like, my grandma was uh, an alcoholic. She was, by then she was a sober alcoholic, but her brother was a drug addict. Like straight up on the streets, like, like wow. drug addict, alcoholic. Um, and so was my uncle. Yeah. So like my and like she lived that experience. Like my uncle would like steal from her. Like he'd break into the house, steal money out of their purses. Like she was living like the drug addict experience. Yeah. Like on her birthday when she turned like I don't know, twenty one or something, like maybe not, maybe twenty five before she had me. Um it literally it was her birthday and yeah. they like knocked on the door and woke her up and it was my tío whose half of his face was beaten they had beat him with a lead pipe and he was like what? blood was drenched all over him he this face was broken like he was messed up to the point where like he was walking through downtown LA that fucked up that white people were like do you need us to take you to the hospital <laughs> that's how messed up he was and so she lived that experience of like drug addiction and alcoholics and in the family family. and she was like my daughter's not gonna do that she's not gonna live through that experience that makes so much more sense there was no religion involved which is why i'm saying like i feel like i grew up with a very unique experience because religion was not a thing like my grandma was not like religious she would go to get her like little ashes you know, but that was it. <laughs> she would do the like mandatory, like oh, go to Easter and yeah. Christmas. And, and even then, like she wouldn't do all that. She would just go get her little ashes, and that was it. Like that's <laughs> all she wanted. <laughs> and so she, my grandma, like it was just not a thing because my grandma couldn't read. She couldn't write, so it's not like she was reading the Bible. It's not like when she went to church. Like I don't know, my grandma lived a, a crazy life too. So like, can you imagine? Like my grandma was like. But out of this madre weed. Like, she was a fucking alcoholic. She was, yeah, she really grew weed in the 70s. On, Shut up. Yeah, swear to God. Like, she, she literally worked at this hotel. Your grandma. My grandma. The grandma that I know. Yes. She, she like, grew weed on this hotel. To- okay, so her boss. <laughs> it's a crazy story. <laughs> so her boss, would they, I mean, she worked in the shady part of Mexico City where there was, like, prostitutes and, like, it was one of those right. motels. Like, right. it was, like, a prostitute motel where people went to go prostitute yeah, themselves. Like a, what is brothel? Kind of. I mean, it was still seen as a motel. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So her boss would, weed would go move through that hotel. And so she got seeds from somebody, don't know, and her and her friend were growing weed on top of the motel. And, like, they were like, let's see if, like, we can grow plants. (laughs) And so the plants got really big. Like, they never smoked it. They didn't even get to harvest it because one day there was a helicopter outside. And they they were like, fuck, there's a helicopter. So they had to cut down the plants. (laughs) (laughs) So, mind you, that's my fucking grandma. Like, my grandma grew up beating up boys. Like, one day, like, her older sister, Flora, she's three years older than her yeah. and she like was like oh este niño me pido pido. you know like she he was trying to talk to me <laughs> and my grandma ran up beat his ass she was like nine grabbed a rock <laughs> like hit him in the head with the rock was like don't talk to my sister <laughs> bro she was crazy she was like she was the kind of girl that would like climb trees and like be like uh, see but i love that though yeah I love, I wish I had that in my life. My life, I think mine was so repressed and like, mm-hmm. it has to be like this and it has to be go a certain way. But can you imagine like, my gra- that was my grandma. 
She was like in love with like two men at once, like playing them. Like she was crazy. Yeah, she was just like living the, her best life. And so, like, and that's who raised my mom. You know, like, bare, like, you know what I mean? She kind of raised her because really, she kind of my mom had that same experience as me, where it was like her grandma raising her and her mom working. Right. But my grandma was crazy, and then she became an alcoholic, and she was like on the streets drinking. But she would go to work every day, and then she would come home, and yeah. she would go to work every day. So she was she was a, a functional alcoholic, but she was she was crazy. Like she yeah. grew up crazy. She like climbed trees. Like my favorite story of my grandma is that she had found this rope, and her dad was like, Carmen, no te hagas un columpio. Because it's gonna fucking break, <laughs> and she was like, "I do whatever I want." So she made the the columpio, you know, right, the right, right. Uh, the swing, and she was holding on to her little sister, and the fucking the rope broke. So she like Shut found up. she fell on her ass. She dropped the little girl. The little girl was crying, oh and she ran, <laughs> she just ran off. She did not care. She was like, and like her, she heard her dad screaming for her, like Carmen, and she was just like, like her nickname was La Loca, like really? yeah. That was my. She would like, like swim across the river. She was just. She was like a tomboy. This makes a lot of sense, though. On why I feel like your mom worked so hard to break that, like, not generational trauma, but like, to end it there. Yeah. You know where she didn't follow those footsteps. Yes. And you didn't follow those footsteps. But I. So, here's another story. One time, my tío Joel, who is who was a drug addict, he's he's super like clean now. He's like um he's been a sponsor for like twenty years. Yeah. So he's like help people get clean. Like he's been clean for a long time. Yeah. Uh, he's been clean since he's been living here, and he's been living here since I was like four. So he's been clean for like twenty four years, something right. like that. Um, and he's so funny. Uh, but when he was younger, there's this story where they all went to a party. And it was, like, a party, and there was a band playing in Mexico City. Uh-huh. And suddenly there was a fight that broke out, and my tia Maribel, who had taken him, because they were cousins, she, like, runs out, and then she goes, me olvidé de Joel, right? <laughs> and they run back inside, and he's on top of a table throwing chairs. Like, <laughs> into the crowd. Just adding on to the desmadre. Yeah, and she's like, Joel, ¿qué haces? And he was like, I always wanted to do that, you know? Like, just, um, just a crazy. And then my tío Javier, who my mom also grew up with, and they were like, right, right. they were like best friends. My tío Javier was fucking crazy too. Like, he was selling weed when the whole, remember, have you ever watched Narcos Mexico? No, but I've heard. Okay, so in Narcos Mexico, when all of the weed, like, when it was being sold through Mexico, he was selling it. He was 12. Really? Yes. He was like the block leader of, and he was like, <laughs> swear to God, I swear to God. Really? Yes. He was like the block leader and he was like, he, he had like his own little gang of kids who like <gasps> sold weed. Like the, like, yeah, like the chamacos, they were like that. Girl. Cause I'm telling you, they grew up poor as fuck. So, and he, be, he was a drug addict too. So mind you, my mom's best friend, her cousin Javier was crazy. Yeah. yeah. Her brother was crazy. And like, so like they're about like, so when I heard these stories, I was like, oh, this makes sense why I'm the way I am. <laughs> because I like el desmadre. Yeah. I love desmadre. Like I love chaos. I love like, I, that's why I think I like working with like the hardest kids at school. Absolutely. Because they were like, I'm just, they. Absolutely. I love this mother, you know, so it was so weird growing up and living with a mom who was so quiet and calm and put together and strict. And I think in a sense, she knew that I was going to be like this, you know, because she wanted not to beat it out of me, but like she wanted yeah, to prevent it. Her best yeah. To stop. 
But at the same time, she is very nurturing to who I am as a person. So she knows that I'm like, I like the chaos. But yeah, I think for what I hear was like her way of trying to let you be who you were in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. Yes, 100%. Right. Because she let me move away for college. She let me come back and fall on my ass, you know? <laughs> and not only that, but then when I came to her and I told her I wanted to be a musician, I, I was scared. I was like, she's not going to accept the fact that I want to play music or go to school to do music. Yeah. And she accepted it completely, 100%. Oh. She was like, you do that. But then my stepdad is also not a traditional dad, like which is what See, I was trying to bring that up. And that's, that's crazy to me because when you're telling me these stories, at least for... So in terms of, like, addiction... Um, the only person that has been, I would say, addicted was my grandpa mm. to alcohol. And it was to the point where, like, my grandma would have to chase his ass throughout Mexico porque se escondía el way. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he would, he would, like, one time I remember them telling me that he, like, hid in un tambo de agua. <laughs> and, you know, the, like, those big water where they would store water. Mm -hmm. I se escondía because he was so drunk that they were trying to take him to the hospital to get IV fluids. Oh, my God. And he hid because he would rather stay drunk than get IV fluids. Oh, my God. It was to the point where, o sea, llegaba borracho, güey, todos mm -hmm. los días. But the interesting thing is that my grandma and my mom and, like, the older siblings all helped him. Like, it was always like a, we're not going to stop fighting for you and we're going to help you. And so he stopped drinking eventually. I think they got to the point where they told him, like, si no te comportas, te vas. Mm -hmm. And he became, like, this religious man. He found God, apparently. Became this religious man, started reading the Bible every day, started to go to church every day. They loved him. It was great. I think that's what started getting my family into, like, church. Because mm. they were like, oh, my God, church saved my grandpa. It's going to save all of us. Um, but then in terms of, so it was, it, like, in terms of addiction, my family has always been very, like, no. No a las drogas, no al alcohol, it's only socially, whatever. Um, but my dad... I feel grew up a lot like your grandma, where he was un pinche desmadre <laughs> growing up. Like, to the point where one of his legs está quemada. Because cuando tenía ocho años, fue a agarrar... You can buy gasolina and just, like, jugs. Yeah. Fue a agarrar gasolina from a gas station. Oh, my God. Y se fueron a un, like, empty parking lot con él y sus primos. <laughs> Todos tenían, like, ocho, nueve, diez. Oh, my God. Hicieron... They started, like, a fire... With a fuck like a thing of gasolina, they started playing with it. His leg ended up burnt, like so, catching on fire. Everybody ran. Oh, and they just left his ass there. And then he like started. He tried running out, and then alguien una camioneta lo trajo, and it was one of the neighbors que conocía ya because my dad lo conocían todos. Wey. Yeah, he was like, ah, ira iba Javier, ahí va el galle. So then they started, and then he, like, faints, and they bring him to my grandma. <laughs> and my grandma's like, Ora, que hizo Javier? And they're like, mi niño, whatever. Took him to the hospital. He had to be in there for, like, three months. Oh, my God. Wow. His leg was, like, burnt up. He has no, no tiene nalgas. Because he, they had to, like, cut from different areas to, like, put skin grafts on him. Oh. Porque no tiene, that, no tiene, o sea, 
It's like like third yeah, degree yeah, yeah, burns. Yeah, it like... was like third degree burns. Wow. Quemado. Um, so he was like a desmadroso. He was telling us like, oh yeah, like un día estaba en la feria que no sé qué y la, la policía nos empezó a corretear. They like, he would get chased by cops. He was like, he, cause my dad, it, the one thing about my dad that he taught me is that he's a hustler. Mm-hmm. Like from the age of eight, he would start going to sell paletas or going to start sell periódico. That's how he found my mom, right? Mm-hmm. He would, that was part of her, his route. Yeah. He would like go sell periódico and my mama se sentaba afuera y like lo veía y le daba un periódico así. Oh my God. They've known each other for ages. Yeah. Um. But you and said so, that they knew each other as children, no? Yeah, they went to, like, elementary school together. Mi, mi papá le jalaba el pelo. He would, like, pull her hair. My mom hated him as a kid because he was the desmadroso. Yeah. He hated school. He only finished up to, like, middle school and then started working. Uh-huh. He fucking never, never went to school. I he, he was telling me that he says a whole bunch of stories. And one time, he was also very poor, his family. And his tía tenía más dinero. So one time he was like looking at their TV from the outside y mi tía, su tía de cabrona la apaga para que ya no la vea. That's so fucked up. I know. So the next time my dad goes y la agarra la tele y paz Se la tira. And he just runs out. So by the time he gets home, well, obviously, my grandma beat his ass because he's like, why the fuck are you breaking people's TVs? Now I owe another TV and we don't even have a TV. Uh, so now we're definitely not getting a TV, you know? Yeah. Um, or he would like, he would sell paletas, but then he would get distracted and start playing soccer. So then one time they stole all his paletas <laughs> and now he owed hella paletas to people. Like he owed money. Like he was just... In el desmadre, he didn't give a fuck. But when he came here, it was like a complete change. Yeah. Because he was, I mean, in his 20s, he had kids. Now he had this, like, responsibility. And I think part of him started to, like, not overdo it, but he became very overprotective. Like, todo se hace de una manera, yo soy el papá. So I remember growing up with him, it was very, like, I was... Not his favorite kid, but I was definitely, like, a, a daddy's girl, you mm-hmm. know? Pero también le tenía miedo. Because he was very repressed. Like, he would, no, pero con quién vas a ir? Y con quién vas a salir? Mm-hmm. Y no, no puedes hacer esto because you're a girl. Y no, no puedes, des- like, you can't dress that way because you're a girl. Oh, And, wow. like, no, mm-hmm. you can't, like, don't even think about boyfriends. Don't even think about, the- like, who are your friends? Like, it was very, he was very honest about everything. And so I think I had to be the one that um, fought back. Yeah. A lot of the time. Because my older brother, mental. You mm-hmm. know, he just like let it happen. My little brother was too young, but I was the one that's like, that's not fair. Like, why? That's not fair. That was always me. Like, why though? <laughs> it was always the pushback of why. That's not, that's not okay. Yeah. And. So then that's how I started growing up, you know, I started getting used to it, started to, like, teach them a lot about, like, well, why why aren't you seeing it this way instead? Um, and then I left when it was time to apply to colleges. They were like, oh, yeah, apply to colleges, woohoo, but stay home and stay close to home and we don't want you to leave and we still want you to be with us. So when I left to Davis six hours away, I remember them telling me, like, If you're going to do this, 
you're gonna commit and you like you need to behave and you can't like que no nos salgas con algo que you know I think for them it was like no nos vayas a salir embarazada mm -hmm. or no nos vayas a salir una drogadicta or whatever it was because I wasn't gonna be in their control anymore like that was they were letting go and that was really big on them to just let me go and do this for me but if I think out of all three of us, I was the one that was going to do that. Yeah. Because my older brother was too attached to my mom and my little brother was just the baby in general. Yeah. So I was the one that was like, gonna move out and do th these things. And yeah, like it happened and I moved out and I remember crying forever about it. And I, there was one time, my first semester, donde le hablé a mi papá y le dije, papá. Ya me quiero ir. And this is too hard. I did not sign up for this shit. I don't want to do this. And I thought it hit, like, it, when I called him, it was for him to tell me, like, yeah, it's okay. Like, come back. But I was very surprised when he was like, sorry. Ahí te quedas. Yeah. You gotta stay. You committed. So now do it. And here I am. Yeah. He never let me go back. I cried to him multiple times throughout my freshman year. And he was always like, no, you got to stay. You got to commit. And I think me moving out helped our relationship a lot in terms of parenting. Yeah. Because it was now it, I was the adult and I got to teach them. And I still think I do teach them a lot. Like, no, your ways are your ways are wrong. Yeah. They're antiquated. <laughs> yeah. Your ways are old as shit. Yo. Yeah. You got to change them. I think with my dad. I think I got, like, a very different dad than that. Because, one, my dad is Guatemalan, so he is not Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. How, I don't know how else to put that, but he's no, not yeah. a Mexican man. Because, like, I think every country has different cultural values, and the Mexican values is, like, patriarchal. The man is always right. Yeah. And my dad is indigenous, so he's not, like, from an indigenous um, community yeah but he is of indigenous descent so my dad uh, the only weird thing about him is that he's tall usually indigenous <laughs> people are very small <laughs> but he's tall he's brown he has a big nose you know he's like he looks very indigenous like yeah. you, you when you look at him you're not like look at this white man like <laughs> no you know um but he grew up in a very hectic household um his mom is crazy and his dad was abusive like physically abusive wow. so he grew up watching physical abuse happening in front of him all the time um and it, you know with with people who view that as a child they go either way they either become the abuser themselves yeah. or they completely completely change. completely change and so he completely changed um he came here in a crazy way like he rode like a he rode inside of a gas tanker like those trucks that carry gas. Wow. He rode inside of one of those through Mexico. Because, I don't know if y'all know, but Mexico is to Central Americans, like the United States is yeah. to Mexico. They like, don't like them. They don't like them. They, they like kick them out of their country all the time. Yeah. They don't allow them to immigrate. And so my dad rode in a gas tanker all through Mexico. When he got to the frontera, he had to cross the river. He swam yeah. through the river. And then his mom picked him up and he was he, like, so he, he had the whole experience. He experienced uh -huh. Uh -huh. all nine yards of, of being an immigrant and like getting here. Um, but my father is very gentle. He's like a gentle man, mm. like very 
like calm he's introverted he deals with a lot of anxiety so yeah. he's not like a he's not he i don't know how to say this he's not like a normal man you know what yeah. i mean he's not like the stereotypical man no he's like a man of few words and when he has something to say it has meaning it's not just like random words um but he's very silly and kind and funny and like i remember when i was a little girl i like i have always loved to sing and yeah. mo- and when i was a little girl i would be like I would sing my own name. I'd be like, Annalise Castillo, Annalise Castillo. <laughs> and then my dad would dance. And he'd be like, yeah, dancing, you know? And, and he was just like that. So, And he always, like, encouraged me in anything that I did. And, and I would be singing and he would start dancing. And, like, and so I think that's what kind of, like, always brought up that love of mine. Because he never made it weird that I yeah. like to sing to him. It was just funny. And he would just dance. And then he would be Ooh. like, what if I dance like this at the mall with your friends? You know, <laughs> like, my dad can't dance. So like, it wouldn't be funny. Yeah. Um, but growing up, like he was gentle. And so I think with my mom, our relationship, like it, it kind of started at a peak and then it went right. down my teenage years. Cause I was a difficult teenager. And then it went back up as an adult. <laughs> I was. I was a difficult teenager. And as an adult now, I can look... I mean, as a young adult, like 18, 19, and all through my teen years, like 13 to like 19, I was like, no, my mom is awful. And then now I'm like 27, and I'm like, no, I was awful. (laughs) I was... It it was hard. Because, okay, I have a little brother. My little brother is autistic. Yeah. And so he was born when I was 10, but they didn't like diagnose it in him until he was three when I went through puberty and was 13. And so I had a lot of jealousy towards my brother because he got a lot of attention and I didn't. Yeah. Or, well, I had a lot of attention because I was an only child and then all that attention went to him. Yeah. But then it was in the hardest times of my life when I was 13 and like 14 and a teenager. And that's when I was getting attention from boys. And instead of having like, my mom being worried about me and like what I was going through at school. She was worried about my brother because he his he was developing way slower. They were trying to get his diagnosis. They were trying to figure out like why he wasn't speaking, like why right. he why he was obsessed with certain things. Like yeah. they, they were trying to figure out this. They were navigating this whole new world of being a parent of an autistic child. Yeah, which is so hard. Absolutely. Like I mean, especially I, I think like culturally, it's not seen as. Um, like any any exceptionality is not really talked about no or discussed especially like what do you do yeah especially not in mexico you know or in guatemala or you know it's not like it's not spoken about it's not diagnosed there at least it wasn't when they were growing up there and so they have to navigate this world with this child who's precious but autistic and then with this teenage girl who is emotional and an artist, you know? Like, but my dad always knew how to balance it really well because I think they had different jobs and their different jobs allowed for them to be different parents. Oh. Because my mom worked at a restaurant and she was a manager. And a manager of a restaurant is hard. I mean, working at a restaurant is is yeah. hard. Like, you're dealing with... And she worked at a university, so it was like 2.5K people going through the restaurant every day and making oh, yeah. sure... And she was in charge of, like, maybe 50 employees Damn. daily. And and then and then not only that, but she is a Mexican woman with an accent working for an, a white institution. Yeah. 
So she had to deal with like racist bosses, racist. So her racist students, fucking everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And on top of that, my grandma and her had a terrible relationship and my grandmother was sick and getting sicker and sicker and sicker. Right. So, I I mean, I'm just now realizing like how much was on her plate. Yeah. Where, Where my dad, he worked as an independent contractor for a woman who helped, he helped, they together had built like this partnership and he helped her like start her real estate empire. Uh And so he just kind of, not that he had it easy, obviously his job was laborious, but it was not the same as my mom's. I mean, he could go in whenever he wanted. He had a different location that he went to every day. He was, he was just kind of like, he had it a lot easier than she did when it came to stress. He also wasn't living with his own mom, you know, (laughs) who was hard to live with. Like he dealt with the dramas of Guatemala and his family in Guatemala, but like it wasn't the same. same, It was not the same. Um, And so where my mom had very little patience for my emotional self, my dad was had endless patience for me. And, like, it was, like, I feel like my teenage years with my mom were so difficult because her stress level and then my little tolerance for her and her stresses because, to me, it was, like, they're not paying attention to me. She doesn't love me. She treats my brother way better than she treated me. Mm. Where it was, like, my brother was autistic and I couldn't see through that. I didn't yeah. understand that at all. Because, you know, growing up, she worked so much that she never went to my school for my birthday like and brought cupcakes for my birthdays yeah but it wasn't because she didn't want to it was just because she couldn't she didn't have the the capacity exactly whereas with my brother it was kind of like she could use the whole like my son is autistic like i need to go to his school yeah and so she could she kind of had to be a lot more involved because he was a different child and also like I don't want to say that I was gifted, but, like, I was very different than Pablo. Like, Pablo, he started talking at five. I started talking at, like, a year. Like, I was, I was, like, I talk, 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 talk. It was so easy. The way he also sees the world is very different. Yes. So, they had to be way more involved in his life. And I, I had jealousy because I missed my mom. Absolutely. There was, I would always, I, I mean, remember. you lived with her for 10 years by yourself. Yeah. And I'd be like, well, let's just go to the mall, just me and you. And she'd be like, no, I have to take your brother. And I'd be like, ugh. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Which sucks because he was a small child. But... Yeah, but I think at that age, you didn't understand the, like, what she was dealing with with him. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was selfish, but I was also a teenager. Yeah. And I didn't understand what I was doing. And, um, but my dad, like, I would I would write poems and I'd be like, do you want to hear my poem? He'd be like, okay, but you have to read it really slow. And then he'd be like, mm, I really like that line. That's a really good line. And then I would write songs. He'd be like, okay, yeah, play them for me, play them for me. And then I'd play the song. And to this day, I still get to do that with him. And I'll be like, you want to hear the song I wrote? He'd be like, yeah, okay, yeah, play it, play it, play it. And so he always nurtured this love in me to, to make and create I music. And I think... Sometimes when you tell me these stories, even right now that you're telling me this story, I'm like vicariously living through you Mm -hmm. because growing up, I think I had the opposite. I gave my parents the opposite experience that you did. I was like a really good child, a really good teenager. And then now (laughs) I I am the shitty adult, not shitty, but like the troublesome adult. Um, And I think because for me, it was a lot of like, I'm just going to do whatever they need me to do to be a good daughter and to please them. It was always about pleasing everybody else before what I wanted to do growing up. 
So I never had that experience where I could just, hey, dad, do you want to listen to a poem? Mm. That would have never happened in my household. Because it was always like, okay, what do, in my head, it was like, if I am too much of me, then I'm not being enough for every, like, I am not doing what everybody else wants, which means I am not doing, I'm not showing them my love. And I'm not getting love back. Yeah. So I always just had to be whatever every like whatever anybody else wanted me to be. And I never got to explore what I wanted or what I liked. Yeah. And so when you tell me these stories, I'm like vicariously living through you because I wish I had that. And I think that's amazing. And I think every child should have that. That ability yes. for their mom and their dad to like be there for them and to tell them like be who you want to be. Yes create and i will support you yes and i think a lot of it too is my mom has always been a creative person like she can knit like beautiful things like she's like very handy and crafty and so in me like being an artist too she was just like yeah you should be an artist i love art you know (laughs) and my dad was like um he was like that too he was just like yeah i mean he's a very logical man so like a lot of like like emotional stuff he'll be like yeah that's good you know like it, it I, I i really want that for you but like with my mom it was like yes you know that's awesome yeah. like and my dad was just like accepting but the one thing where me and my mom always butt heads was that like i wanted to express myself in ways that she didn't like and i mm. always hurt my feelings when she would she not like it yeah. yeah so like when i was a little girl i wanted to like pluck my eyebrows because i had like a unibrow had like the thick <laughs> brows and i remember i plucked them and she was like why would why? you do that oh, yeah i like shaved my legs and she was like why why, why would you shave your legs why? yeah I one time put eyeliner on and she was, I think I told you that I put eyeliner on and she was like, you look ugly. And I think like now looking back on it, like I think she just didn't know how to express to me that she didn't want me to grow up yet. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It was this idea of like, I, I want you to like you for who you are and not change because you're doing it. Like, I think when my mom said the same thing, it was more of like, I want to make sure that you're doing it for you and not because other people are telling you like, oh, you have hairy legs or you have yes you know yeah but i think a lot of it too was my mom like she just didn't want me to grow up yet but she didn't have the vocabulary for it because she had a mean grandma too and she also had a like her mom wasn't mean mean to her but like cold unattached and Mm. so for her it was like hard to be like no don't do that yet you know like i want to do that with you you know Um, so it was, that's where we always butt heads. It was like, I wanted to express myself. I wanted to feel pretty. We also grew up in a time where media was terrible to, to young, (laughs) chubby Latina girls, you know? So to me, it was like, why doesn't she want me to be who I want to be? Yeah. But when I was 14, she let me like dye my hair and that was super cool. And she let me. When they finally let you dye your hair, bitch. Or like I wanted to get like piercings. Like I wanted to get my double my ears pierced. So I want to get the second piercing and she I fought her on it for like an hour. And she was like, As lo que tu quieras. When, you know? When I got my second piercing, this was a time where I feel like the relationship with my mom we had moments where we would get closer. Mm-hmm. Because that time I remember it was Christmas. And this was one of the first times that she, like, physically complained to me about my dad. 
where sometimes I would see it in her face, but this time she complained because it was during Christmas and his card, my dad, the one thing about him and I get it from him is he is a procrastinator. (laughs) And if you know me, I procrastinate. Mm -hmm. So he needed to get a new card, a new like debit card didn't get it was waiting 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 it got to the point where the fucking back where you're supposed because it was before tap so you had to like swipe yeah. the card yeah it was to the point where that ya no se veía so you could i the remember card, those times yeah the card couldn't even read so we were trying to pay for all the christmas gifts and he kept trying to swipe it through because it wouldn't read and my mom was so mad she was embarrassed she was like there's a whole line waiting for us and this isn't work and so she just left she like told them i was like she was like tu paga and he just had to like keep he was like trying to clean it with his shirt just like (laughs) like doing whatever he could yeah uh, claire's was right there and i was like ma can i want i know what i want for christmas I want another piercing. But it was always like, Pregúntale a tu papá. Oh. Every time. She never had an opinion. And that was something that always got me mad. That's crazy because for me, it was never. literally the opposite. No. I could not ask my dad for anything. For mine, it was always like, Pero pregúntale a tu papá. Ama, quiero ir al cine. Pero pregúntale a tu papá. Wow. Yeah, yeah, always. So then this time, I was like, Ama, quiero, quiero my second ear piercing. She's like, let's go oh my god it was like her way of getting back at him yeah 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 yeah. absolutely (laughs) she was like let's go y tengo dinero (gasps) and so she did because with my mom and my dad like my my dad handles all of the money because he is like the man Mm -hmm. even to this day my mom still has to ask him for money and i still get upset about it because it's like mom tu trabajas oh wow yeah so that's still something that I still have to fight with her. But she was like, no, yo tengo dinero. Oh. oh. So we went to Claire's. And I was like, hi, I'm getting my second double piercing. And I did all the paper because it was all in English. So yeah. I like did the paper when I was like, mom's site right here. And my dad was like still walking out of fucking JCPenney. Oh, my and God. And I was sitting there in the chair. And I was like so happy. I was like, yes. And I got it done. And I was like, look, pa. And he just looked at me. And my mom goes, the empieces. <gasps> Yo le dije que podía. I, like, I let her. And he was like, oh, yeah, they look good, mija. Oh, my God. I, that was the first time that I was like, oh, my God. This is like, so this is what a conflict, like, this is what it looks like when my mom disagrees. This is what it looks like when my mom is, like, being her own person and having opinions apart from my dad. Wow. That's powerful. I know. I will always remember that. And I will, I always love my my ear piercings because of that. That's, that's powerful for me to hear because I, (laughs) I never experienced that because in my household, my mom had the power. No. My mom, so I remember my friend, I had this, my childhood best friend, her name was Kathy, and she was, she was crazy too. And she was like, just all my characters in my life are crazy. She was like, come over to my house. And I'd be like, dad, can I please go to Kathy's house? And he'd be like, you have to call your mom. You know, I can't say yes. Yeah. He had like no power. 
in the oh house. Oh, my God. No. I love that, though. But it was hard because my dad was so nice <laughs> and my mom was so strict. Cause that I, was the opposite with me. It, isn't that crazy? And I'd have to, like, call. And they'd be like, hello? And I'd be like, hi, can I talk to Norma? And they'd be like, who is it? I'm like, Norma's daughter. And then it'd be, like, five minutes later where they find her and she has to, like, walk all the way back to the oficina. And she's like, ¿Qué quieres? You know, like, hola. And I'd be like, hi, mom, can I go to Kathy's house? Oh, who's going to take you? Who's going to pick you up? Like, what time are you going? When yeah. are you coming back? That was exactly, but for my dad. And that's what's crazy is because my dad was never like that. And, like, when he was older, when I was older and, like, survived, like, being a teenager, he, like, apologized because he was, like, I, I always took the backseat role in your life oh. because I didn't feel like I had any power because he was my stepdad. And, yeah, and he was, like, yeah, he, and, and mind you, like, he had to deal with my grandma and my mom. And my grandma <laughs> was hard. My grandma was so hard. And, like, I want to talk more about her, like, when we do grief. Yeah. Because, I like, she's gone now. And But my grandma was a bitch to him. Like, when, when he first got with my mom and he had moved in, my grandma was like, this is a package deal. It's, it's Norma, it's me, and it's the daughter. <laughs> and my dad was like, all right, all right I guess. Cool. And my dad is, like, nice as fuck, so I don't know why she... <laughs> but I understand now it's because they were trying to protect me because they had grown up with, like, abusive-ass, nasty-ass men who, like, touched kids and were, like, fucking yeah, weirdos. Yeah, yeah. So they were like, no, you, like, we're not leaving him alone with her. We, we're not doing any of these right. things. Because they couldn't trust him, and obviously, like... They no. we grew up and yeah, then we yeah. realized he was like a like not like, a, like good a good person a normal man, but he never felt like he had power because my grandma and my mom had the power in the household and they had power over me because I was not his daughter, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, and then sense. the power balanced out with my brother because that's his son, and he oh. and that's where like a lot of the trouble in their relationship came from because now it was like well that's my son, <gasps> yeah, and my mom was like. She was so used to having the power, you know, in the, in the relationship. Uh, but, yeah, literally, literally, I'll come home with, like, piercings or tattoos, and my dad would be like, that's so sick. Like, because he's always just been, like, very supportive of me having autonomy. Yeah. Because he grew up watching his mom get beat, get himself get beat, his sisters get beat, like, his dad being a complete piece of fucking trash, yeah. just a piece of shit. And so he's raising a girl, a little girl in this new country who's, like, to him, it was, like, amazing. Like, it was just, uh-huh. like, this little girl that he, like, I was not his daughter, but he felt, he like, you. yeah, he loved me. And so he was, like, I want her to be autonomous, to have her own, like, like to have her own body, to have her own, like, like have power over herself because I watched my mom not have power. Yeah. But yeah, also, yeah, yeah. he grew up with, his grandma was, like, like... <laughs> intense like they were called her like get brava you know because her one time his grandpa like tied her to a tree because she was being crazy and like was like she would get mad and she would start being like yeah and so he like had tied her she was like tied to the tree and like she was like oh, you know and so she calmed down <laughs> and so he grew up with her being like because his mom would leave him and come back and leave him and come back and so he was like his set place was with his with his grandma and his grandfather and he wasn't the preferred grandchild at all but he was he lived there and uh-huh. like and he lived <laughs> I'm sorry I'm laughing because he had like it's 
it's hard to explain my life story because I feel like it feels so like I always remember all the most chaotic shit about like everybody's life stories. But like my <laughs> my my dad grew up and with his grandma who was like La Brava and uh-huh. his and his gr- grandfather and also his tia who was a medium who spoke to ghosts. And so <laughs> and so he like grew up in this crazy ass household where his grandma's crazy. His his grandpa's just trying to control the grandma. Right. And then the tia's speaking to ghosts, like and like ghosts come to the house and like move shit around. And he grew up like having panic because he was like, There's fucking ghosts in the house. <laughs> And so it, it, he just he had like uh, he he only he only had sisters right. he only had his mom he had these women in his life these powerful women in his life so I think like when when I grew up and I had attitude and I was like spunky and like was just like, I'm gonna write a song and I'm gonna perform it in front of the whole school and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that and I'm gonna go to music He's school to yeah he was like you should you know like he wanted me to be like a strong independent woman right. and so anything that I do to choose for myself like get a tattoo buy a car, move out, like, do it. Like, he was just like, you do it. Do it. Yeah. See, that's the one thing that I, like, um, the the only instance that I really struggle with my mom, and I don't resent her for it, but it does make me angry, is that I feel like she is like that. I don't, so I don't resent her, but I, it makes me angry, the fact that I feel like she is like that, where she wants me to be who I am, and she wants me to, like, do all of these things but she doesn't speak on it Mm. like she you can there's something about my mom that you can like see it in her face where when i not would get in trouble but when i would like speak out to my dad specifically she would almost get like this like proud look on her face but she never spoke on it Mm. like she never told me like do this do that like be who you want to be. Go get that piercing. But it was always like, well, yo si te dejaría. Mm. Like, I would let you. But yo no sé. Like, you gotta ask your dad. That's tough. You know? And that's the one thing that makes me angry. Because if she had more of, like, that power within herself to, like, speak out and be like, no, I want her to do that. I'm letting her do this. I think my my own being and my own identity would be very different because now as an adult, I'm having to do all those things. Mm-hmm. We're like figuring out what I like to do and going to get the piercings and going like now I'm finding out like, do I like music? Do I like art? Do I like, what do I like to create? What do I like as my hobbies? What do I, because back in the day it was always like, well, you have to ask your dad. Wow. And I'd be so scared to ask my dad. Cause he'd be like, I well no que vas a hacer y no sé qué and it was always like this struggle to to like be who I wanted to be you know yes and so yeah I think the relationship that's the only thing with my mom that like still gets me angry and it hurts because if she just spoke out a little bit more I think my identity would have been so different but at the same time she grew up because my grandma was the same way and her grandma was the same way you know like it just the generation has been always like no you have to be there for your man yeah yeah like my dad was my dad was to the point where my tia one time was telling me like yeah when her husband now cuando estaban saliendo y la traía my dad le decía like 
you know, uh, ¿cómo se dice? Like despedidas, you know, when you would like say goodbye, you'd be outside the house and like, oh, bye, give each other hugs and a kiss, whatever, when y'all are courting or dating. So my dad would tell her before she left, like, te voy a aprender y apagar la luz de afuera three times. Y si no te has metido, if you haven't entered, like, if you haven't gone into the house by the third time, I'm dragging your ass inside. Oh, my God. I know. Like, my dad was so overprotective over the woman in his household. He had this, like, overprotection. So my tía would be like, oh, so he would, I would see the first one and he would tell him, like, okay, you have to go because guy is going to come out. That's my dad's nickname. Javier is going to come out and he's going to get mad. Like, oh, okay, you know, okay, the second one, no, okay, now you really have to go because you're, my dad is, like, my brother's going to come out. And then by the third one, she'd be like, okay, bye. But, and then she would go inside. And then my dad would be like, ya te dije para la tercera. And then she ended up obviously getting married to him. But my tío is still scared of my dad. Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, my dad is still very, like, even if y'all have three kids together and, like, you mess with my sister, I'm going to beat your ass. <laughs> like to this day he's just a very overprotective guy over anybody in his family and i think it was because growing up they didn't have anything so they <laughs> had to be close and he had to he's the second or third oldest of the family so he had this like also taking care of people and i have to be the caregiver and i have to do all of these things yeah so Um, yeah, but I think it's it's funny in hearing your stories, and it's interesting how different we were, yeah. and yet we still choose to, because I think when I chose to be a teacher, it was because I want to be giving, giving them all the love that I didn't get. Mm-hmm. I want to be there for the kids that, like, have similar parents than I did that weren't, that didn't get that opportunity to like do whatever you want and i think when you interact with the kids it's because you want to continue to nurture and you want to continue to be with a desmadre mm-hmm. not in a bad way but no. the desmadrosos love you yeah they do <laughs> because you allow them to continue to be who they want to be and i think for me i want to like seek out all the quiet ones that were like me, that were the goody two shoes, and be like, haz un desmadre. Yeah. Se desmadroso. Yeah. While you have the time. Do it now before you're an adult and you have to do it, but you're also working and you're yeah. also doing all of these other things. Yeah. And what's interesting is that, like, in, in high school, like, I was quiet. I mean, I was, like, I think other people would have perceived me as quiet and as a goody two shoes mm. um, because I was in high school. But I think as an adult, I kind of came into my being and I was like, I'm going to be whoever the hell I want to be. <laughs> I was like out of Catholic school, you know? <laughs> and I, and I think that's when like my mom was really realized that she had raised like a, a tremenda, you know? Yeah. Because I, I chose to be who I wanted to be. Yeah. There's this story where, this there i was already older i was like 22 i think 23 and at my mom's job there was this guy who was around my age probably like 25 26 and he had seen me because i had gone over to talk to her and he was like joking with my mom and was like norma like let me talk to your daughter you know like she's so cute (laughs) and she was like te va a romper el corazón and the guy was like what and he's like she was like you're gonna try to control her and she's not gonna let you she's gonna 
she does whatever the fuck she wants. Yeah. And and when my mom said that, I mean, fucked up because I already knew I did whatever the fuck I wanted. But for her to admit defeat, like, you know, <laughs> because like literally my young adult years was me doing what I wanted to do and like a la fuerza, you know, like if she yeah. didn't want to let me out, I would sneak out the house. <laughs> I did not care. I was like, I'm 19 years old. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. Or, I, I, no, I was like 20, 21 when I started, like, I would leave. Like, I, I was just like, I want to go do whatever I want. And, like, I can't because she's oppressing me. Like, well, I, at that time, I felt like she was oppressing me. She was not oppressing me. <laughs> I was just, I was just this madrosa, and she yeah. was trying to protect me. And, um, but in my mind at that age, I was like, no, she's oppressing me or she's yeah. not letting me do what I want. She's... And I think now I'm doing that at like 24, 25. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was a headache. I was a headache. I remember like leaving my house. <laughs> and like, I remember my dog died and I was so sad and I left my house and I didn't come home until like six in the morning. And my mom was like, she didn't even say anything to me. She was like, I'm, she's gonna do whatever yeah. she wants you know yeah. and i mean i feel bad now now i'm like old and i would never do that now i was just like god like what was i i just was on one i just wanted to i wanted to experience life yeah i wanted to so bad and i had when i had moved away to new york and come back i was used to doing whatever i wanted you know oh yeah so suddenly i was living in my mom's house again and i was like i couldn't just leave whenever i wanted and that was yep. hard on yep. both of us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Because now, even today, like, same thing, right? Because I, well, like, me and you were a couple years apart. Mm-hmm. So I think whatever you have already lived through, I am currently living. Which is cool because then now when I'm, like, 27, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to be a sick-ass person. Yeah. With a whole bunch of tattoos. <laughs> fucking living my life. <laughs> yeah. I know (laughs) yeah and I mean literally I remember I I just would get tattoos and I would get tattoos and I remember the last one I got was like this tiny like quarter sized one in the back of my arm and I had never gotten any tattoo on my arms I'd only gotten them where I could hide them and she would obviously find out because she has that whole like Latina mom where she's just gonna barge into your room just like (laughs) you know what are you doing you're like no knocking and so she saw my tattoo and she was like oh so you're getting them anywhere she was like, if you get another tattoo, I'm kicking you out. And that was like, oh, okay. She's being serious now. Like, she's being... And by then, I already had, like, eight tattoos. So, <laughs> she was it over was it. One. Yeah, it was that one because it was on my arm. And so, I did not get a tattoo until I moved out because I was like, I don't live in your house anymore. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. Yeah. And I did. I did whatever the hell I wanted. And, I, and now I have tattoos on my arms, all over my legs, like, big tattoos that you can't hide. And she sees them, and she's like, <laughs> you know? and she'll, yeah, but what can you say? Yeah, you know? she'll still be like, se te ve feo. And, but like, I'd be like, yeah, okay, mom. You know, get yeah. no me dole. Like when I was younger, she would tell me stuff like that. Like, she, I would be like, oh, how could my mom say things like that to me? You know. <laughs> and now as an adult, I'm like, ay, mommy, ya calmate, dramática. Yeah. You know. I love that. I think you get into this. As you become an adult, you get into this new relationship with your parent where they are an adult and now you are also an adult. So your mental capacity, right, like your cognitive thinking is now of an adult Mm -hmm. where you can have more like understanding for each other. At least for me, now it's like, well, I see it your way, but also now you need to see it my way. Yeah. And it, it creates this 
I think a closer relationship it's with my parents because now we talk about our emotions more like I tell them they ask me like oh how's your day and before I would always just be like yin and now I'm like casi renuncio yeah <laughs> you know yeah they're like what the hell what happened yeah and then we start talking about it and they give me advice and we're able to like work through things in a much more positive way that brings us closer than when they felt like they had to be parents and they had to like take care of me definitely definitely i think my relationship with my parents has evolved so much yeah um because a part of it with my mom was like she started going to therapy and like that's one thing that our parents don't do is that they don't go to therapy because that's not something that was taught to them by their parents it's something yeah. that's a very much our generation thing yeah we're like yes. we're going to go to yes. therapy and so my mom like my grandma died her mom died and my mom was my grandmother's caretaker for for like 10 years because when i was in high school my grandma almost died and then she just got progressively right. sicker and sicker and sicker and this woman that my mom had so much trauma with then became well she was like she had to then take care of her right 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 and like she had to be this woman who hurt her she had to be her caretaker and that's tough because my mom i told like i said she holds on to resentment and so she had to take care of this woman that she that hurt her and that was so hard and then i think by the end of my grandmother's life she was finally like my at peace almost with her Uh, like almost there was still things that she would hold on to there's still things she would hold on to now yeah and but when she my grandma died it was like all of a sudden all this source of pain is gone and like no one to attach that source of pain to no they're gone and so my mom like i think she's trying to find herself again and she's she went back to therapy and so i think our relationship changed so much because like yesterday she was telling me like you know you should try journaling and i was like (laughs) i was like mom i've been journaling since middle school do you not remember when you read my journals in high school like girl you know and she was like oh you know what that's true and i was like yeah i've always journaled like that was my way of of letting out my emotions you know and I think she's finally reaching that level of that type of emotional maturity that she hasn't had of right. like letting go because emotions like get trapped in your body. Absolutely. And if you don't, if you don't have like find a way to let them out, they become, they just sit there. yeah, they become the diabetes. They become the yep. cancer. They become yeah. the, it's a, your body's physical manifestation yeah. of your emotions. Absolutely. And so now I think she's going to therapy my dad went to therapy for a long time uh, because of his anxiety disorder. Right. And so I think my parents have both in themselves reached a level of maturity that was never there when I lived in the home, when yes. my grandma was alive. It was always like survival, survival, work, work, work. And now they're like getting older. Yeah. They're they're thinking of retirement. They're thinking of like, well, what do we want to do? Yep. Yeah, you know, yes. like who are we? Because like for so long it was like Anna, Anna, Anna. You know, yeah. like I was, I was like this mediator between them. <laughs> they were mediators <laughs> between each other. My mom was a mediator. When I think I only ever fought with my dad once. And I think, so, yeah. um, part of I am a human development major, right? And this type of relationships fascinate me because I, at the end, I love 
understanding how humans work. Mm -hmm. And so in one of my classes, right, to bring it back to science, this is this relationship is very typical where in terms of marriage, like it peaks when you're married, but then it your happiness in marriage actually goes down while you're raising kids. Yeah. Statistically. And then it goes back up, like you're saying with your parents their happiness in marriage goes back up once kids leave the household. Wow. Because now they don't, like, they're not fighting over the kids and they're not fighting over, like, financial strain and they're not fighting over, like, all of these other components. Now their their marriage, like, is reaching another point where they're by themselves and they're enjoying each other's company and they're learning how to be a couple again. Wow. That makes me not want to have kids. <laughs> yeah, because for so long, like, your your marriage is put sort of, at least for a lot of parents, marriage is put at the back burner, right? Or I guess that's the yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, because you are taking care of this other person outside of yourselves. Yeah. And so, yeah, same. Like, if I ever get married, that's with having kids. Like, that's something that's very scary of, like, losing yourself to a kid. Yeah. And yeah. And I mean, we're the living example right now of like adult children who can talk about their parents and like the shit that they kind of not. I don't want to say shit. Let me backtrack. (laughs) We are seeing our parents go through that cycle. And I think I've come to the choice already in my life where I don't want to continue that cycle. I don't want to have kids. And I just want to be able to be an adult and enjoy life and not have a kid to care for. Or um, I just don't want to bring a child into this life. I think if I want to be a parent, I think I'll foster or I'll, I think I would foster. I wouldn't even adopt. I think I want to foster. Um, If I want to get to that point where I want to be a parent, um, I think I would do that because I don't really want to have a kid. It's not... I haven't felt that way for a long time. I mean, I've, I haven't felt like I wanted to have a kid forever. Like, and I've been in a relationship for almost four years. And I mean, we could have a kid if we wanted to. We live yeah. in our own. Like, we have our own jobs. Like, yeah, like everything is lined up, and you are still not wanting to have a kid. No, because I, I want to be able to enjoy my life the way my mom can never enjoy her life, the way my dad can never enjoy his life. Like my parents forever didn't have papers. They couldn't go back. I think your parents don't have papers, right? No. They still don't. Yeah, so my dad doesn't have papers. He can't go back. My mom can now travel. Yeah. But even then, like, she's gone to Mexico twice, three times. And since she's had her papers for, like, five years. Yeah. So it's not like they, even when you get your papers, it's not like you can just go and, and do all of these things. Like, how we can, where, you know, it's like next month, it's like, for spring break, we should go to New York. Yeah. All right. And then we buy our <laughs> tickets and then queremos, you know? It's not like that for them. Yeah. And because they I have agree. the kids, because they have the house, because they yep. had the cars, because yep. they have all these things that they needed to survive LA and being immigrants here. Uh-huh. And now I'm just like, no, I'm good. I don't want that. Yeah. And I think that's why I'm very grateful for my parents because they struggled a lot for us to be in this position today. Even though parents are like our parents and parents in general are not perfect and they still have a lot to learn. Um, they have hopefully brought us to a better place where you're able to talk about the relationship and able to look back and learn from it so you can make your own decisions later on. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think I think as much as we've lived through 
things with our parents, I think we were still very lucky. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We got the good end of the stick. Yes. You know? Because, yeah, I struggled with my mom a lot as a teenager. And, and my mom and my dad, they struggled. But at the end of the day, I had two loving parents. Yes. Yes. Who didn't just provide food and, a, like, a roof over my head. They also provided, like, nurture. They bought me yeah. instruments. They bought me guitars. They bought me pianos. They yeah. bought me, like, computers. They bought me, like, they bought my iPad off of me so I could buy a better iPad. You yes. know, like, they are still, like, they go above and beyond. They call me to see how I'm doing. They, yeah. You know, they care about me. They yes. care about my opinions. They, they love ca- you. Yeah. And surprisingly enough, not all parents do that for their kids. No, they don't. And we see that every day, every day. And I think that's why I one of the reasons why I chose to be a teacher, because mm-hmm. it reminds me not only of of my personal life and how uh, like how lucky I am to be in that position, but also of how much I have to learn and how much you have to give. Yeah, because I think like we have a favorite student from last year who <laughs> she was she is amazing yeah she's amazing and she didn't have a like a mom in her like a no. real like a, she has a mom but not a mom who loves her yeah. not a mom who cares about her like she didn't have to go to school if she didn't want to but she wanted to go to school because she would come she to see is. us and to this day i mean she would she started calling us like oh you're like my mom yeah and I and I always tell the kids like I I would want to be like your tia or like your old like an older sister yeah. like that's how I feel towards a lot of them especially yes. the chaotic ones especially the yes. ones that don't have the home the, the mom life they they're struggling at home like I I kind of want to step like I I have stepped into their life kind of as just like this role model this figure in their life right. that loves them and yes. cares about them and not just their grades yeah I think you know? for me like. At the end of the day, if I am a shitty teacher, right, these first couple of years of teaching, I might be shitty at it, but I know that every kid in that classroom is going to come out feeling loved. Yes. Because I know that a lot of them come into my classroom not feeling that at home. Yes. And you and like I I know that when I have my classroom, I want it to be that safe space. I want yeah. it to be that like I want to go in at recess and play instruments yes. with Miss Annalise, you know, yeah. like I want to have harbor that space because like I I feel like I mean, I kind of got that perfect amount of love as a child yes. that now I have enough love to give out yep. to other people as an adult. Uh-huh. I feel very lucky. Yeah. Very, very lucky. Same. Absolutely yeah. the same. Because, I mean, we've, I know you've heard it and I've heard it from friends, from children, from everyone. Like, when they grow up with, like, really bad moms, they have, like, they struggle as adults. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Because I think you crave this, this need to be with your parent and you don't have that. So it's so much easier to look for that in unhealthy ways. Yes. So much. And... And then, and then it sucks because then you're the adult that feels helpless with these teenagers yes. that that they can't figure out that this boy doesn't love them that this you know that this yeah. situation that they're in is not healthy because they don't have that role model at home yeah you know and I think I mean so we're taking classes right now right and um, one of the classes that we took this week we mentioned that a little bit today or last in our last session where it was like you if you are able to find who you are 
it's really hard for you to help other people. Yeah. And I think our parents allowed us enough to either have the resources to do that or the space to find who we were so that we are able to do this for somebody else. Because teaching isn't easy. No. And being a good teacher isn't easy. And I think that's one of the biggest things that kids are just looking for. Because at the end of the day, a lot of kids fucking hate going to school. Yeah. But you can be one of the reasons why they show up. Yeah, because they don't need us. They have a phone. Yeah. They have the internet. They have Google. Every, like, everything that they learn from us, we learn from Google. So, like, yes. you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. So, like, at the end of the day, they don't need us. No. But, but what what school is not for that. It's, it's meant for them to be able to find the connection. Yeah. Because having those social connections is still a form of literacy. It's still a form of learning. It's still a form of, like, growing up emotionally and growing up mentally and growing up, like physically because you're going to be in all these spaces like just having those social connections still allow you to do that and i think it's teaching is hard but i'm very we're very blessed in that way to have that experience that other jobs wouldn't don't provide you yeah to be uh what would be the way to like look out for the kids before they become the adults yeah a hundred percent and we're kind of like adding into that like into that making them better people before they go into the world you know (laughs) or at least we're trying to we are definitely which is what our parents did for us yes yeah and i don't know i feel like i feel like i will do i will be better at it the more i grow up you know the more i i grow into this field and and um but i mean I, i i observed this week at a school and I got to observe my uncle because he's a badass music teacher who's been at his job for like... So t- badass. Yeah, so badass. He's been working there for 23 years at this school. And he's been working his music program for 13 years. So you can imagine his like 10-year-olds are like 23 now. 24. Yeah. And so when I was there, one little boy was like, do you... Do you know Vanessa and Jaylene? You know, <laughs> he's like a little third grader, and he was like Vanessa, yeah. You know, like he was like this one and this one. He was like they were superstars. Are you gonna be a superstar? You know, and he was like, you know, yeah. And then like that happened, and then this one random girl walked in. Well, she's not a girl. She's una muchacha. She was like 23, 22. And she was like, Mr. Vergara, you know, and he was like, oh, my God, April. And like, he oh. like, yeah. And she has like a little niece there. And and so he's been in this community community long enough that people come back I'm returning and his students, he's teaching their kids. And he's not an old person, like, obvio, he's, like, young. Yeah. Um, but he, like, he's leaving this legacy. Yes. And these kids. Yes. Over and over again. And, like. My uncle is not a dad. He's not. <laughs> but he's worked with kids long enough that he knows how to teach them. He knows how to get them to learn skills. And they all come back and they are like, yeah. thank you. But that's why I feel like I always tell the kids this. They're like, Miss, do you have kids? No, absolutely not. But I feel like I have 120 kids. Yeah. And they're like, no, you don't. You don't mean that. It's like, well, okay, you're right. I don't like this one kid. But I have 119 (laughs) of you that I do really like. Yeah. And I do really care for you. And I want to nurture you. And, like, 
I guess for me, I started, I mean, every time they always want to come into my classroom. They're like, Miss Gallegos, I don't want to go into this class. I don't care. Go to class, right? And on Friday, there was an incident where I had to leave work early. And there was a whole bunch of kids that asked, like, messaged me or G-chatted me, Miss, where are you? Are you okay? We miss you. And that was a moment where I feel like I was doing some good work. Yeah. Because they want to continue to be in the class. If not for learning Spanish, at least to feel like they belong somewhere. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think our parents cultivated that in us. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And... I mean, what more can you ask for in life? I mean, literally, like, I used to walk into my mom's job, and they would all be so happy to see her. And she was the manager. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you don't You're want... You're supposed to hate the manager. Yeah. And they, they'd be like, Normita, you know? And they would, like, mess around with her. and, and Yeah. Because my mom was a hard ass, but she was also, like, very loving and nurturing. And yes. she's nurturing with everybody, and all the students love her because she, she she's also an empath that will, like, walk up to them and be like, you seem sad. <laughs> And they're, like, college students, like, yeah, how did you know? You know, like, cry to her and stuff. She was, She's, like, an amazing woman. And I don't know. I think I'm sure she's going to listen to this because it says Latina moms, you know. Um, but I'm just grateful for her. And I, I, and I look back on my teenage self being mean to my mom and just regret it, obvio, yes, you know. Yes. And, and I wish that I had been a better daughter. I wish that I hadn't have been so rebelde and, and yeah. vale madre you know but <laughs> i apologize to her now you know and i i want i always now want like my relationship with her to just grow and get better and and, and be beautiful and, yes. and not perfect right because it could never be perfect but always working at it yeah and like i'm gonna go see my mom right now you know <laughs> i'm gonna go see my parents that. right now yeah Oh. Yes, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my parents, everything that they taught me. And like, they we had the relationship that we had growing up, but there was still, everyone always still loves them. And everybody always wants to be around them. Yeah. And ev- they're so good at talking to people. And the experience that everybody else had with my parents is very different than the experience I had with them yeah. in the household. Oh my God, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But- <laughs> My mom is, like, everyone's favorite thing. Yes. Yeah. Oh, same. Same. Like, I would sometimes be like, why do you like them so much? <laughs> no, not in that way, but it's like, y'all are always over our house. Yeah. Because they would be, they are these amazing, great people who are also great parents. We just had different minds, and we would argue a lot, but it didn't make them bad parents. Exactly. We can make bad choices, but they weren't ever bad parents. Exactly. You know, yeah. and I, I agree with you. I just, I want our relationship to continue to grow. Yeah. I don't, th- I can't imagine being without my parents today. Yeah, me too. That is a thought that's like. No, no. I'm not going to deal with it right now. Yeah. 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 Another episode. Yeah. <laughs> that's for another time. Exactly. All right. I feel like. That's a good ending. That's a good ending. Yeah. We're going to end it there. All right. Uh, thank you all for listening. We are at the Sound Vibe Studio, being produced by Johnny. <laughs> John Q. I feel like you always have to do the ending at the <laughs> beginning. It just feels natural. But, yeah. Thank you all. Yeah. We'll see you. We'll hear you next time. See, this is why I can't do the endings. <laughs> it's okay. We'll this see you next time. Yeah, maybe. And, yeah.